Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Somebody can bring it up while I'm talking. How much has Facebook dropped like in the last week? Their stock uh, about fifteen percent. I think I heard. Is that all? Yeah, it was up I mean, slightly lot, but... yesterday. It bounced back, but then the futures were down this morning. So yeah, a really significant amount of money. Um, I'll buy a, uh, by the way, a quick behind the scenes note. We're going to talk about the Putin call next. Next segment: Trump and Putin, mm-hmm. Obama and Putin. How I think people. Some of our listeners, our beloved listeners, have the right evidence and the wrong conclusion. But um, I was going to tease it by, Sean, 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 what about the Putin call? But somebody appears to have removed it from our system. So, uh, Mr. Hansen, if you could make inquiries as to how that possibly could have happened. And when you find out, I don't want you to deal with it. I want you to tell me. And then I want you to feed me like two big cups of coffee and then let me deal with it. Give you a bat. I'm not happy. Bat, aren't you going to go beat somebody? Sounded like I'm, you're. You know go what? Beat you're right. You're. I was just going to yell at him. I'm going to jo- go Joe Biden on him. Joe Getty goes Joe Biden. 
I'm going to take him outside the gym. Do we have a gym? Oh, that's right. There is the little exercise room. I'm going to take him out back at that and whoop their ass. Huh? Huh? You know, we got like 60-year-old women working here, so the PR is probably going to be a little rough. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, as long as they spell your name right. Right, that's what they say in the indictment. (laughs) So we'll talk about that coming up without the clever little tape. We've watched over the last 20 years as these platforms grew so fast. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google. One day, their lovable new way to see kid pictures. The next thing you know, they're reconfiguring our democracy, governance, and business, and all of society. (laughs) That's a good sentence. Yeah, and it's true. And I contend they they had no idea that this was going to happen, and now they're not exactly sure how to handle it themselves. I think you're absolutely right. They created a monster they can't control. Facebook has reached a scale where it's not a model of society as much as an engine of culture, unlike anything we've ever seen before. Giant internet platforms are poisoning the commons. I guess I should mention I'm reading from something so it doesn't yeah, sound like I, I just say, wrote this who, myself. It's good stuff. Who or wrote it? A guy named Paul Ford. Mm, I believe what? this was from Bloomberg. From Bloomberg. Okay. Um, giant Talented internet, wordsmith. Giant internet platforms are poisoning the commons. They've automated it. Take a look at YouTube. It has users, for instance, who love conspiracy video, videos. And YouTube takes that love as a sign that more and more people would love those videos. For instance, an ex-employee of YouTube mentioned that I created an algorithm at Google that recommended Alex Jones videos more than 15 billion times to people we wow. thought would like those videos. Wow. That is something. Maybe we I should... couldn't design an algorithm if you gave me six years and an unlimited budget. Well, a very start. A very simple one you could. Really? But Yeah, I think you could. I don't easily. even know what they are, really. Hmm. Like, give me a super simple algorithm. Uh, well, I think if you just came up with how much, you know, dog food your dog eats on a daily basis and how much is in a bag, and then so how many bags you need to buy per month, and you just put that into a formula, that would oh, be an that, algorithm. That's an algorithm. I think so. I'll be damned. Well, if you're remember, way better at the advanced remember, math than me. Um, maybe we should think about how Google and Facebook are the new polluters. Their imperative is to grow. They create jobs like a lot of companies that were polluters. But we had to rein them in. In the meantime, they're dumping trillions of units of toxic brain poison into our public thinking reservoir. Mm. What do you think about that? That's a beautiful phrase, but, you know, we, there's not a, uh, a First Amendment right to pollute. Right. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how you deal with it from a First Amendment standpoint. Yeah. I don't have, as I've mentioned this week, I'm all about presenting problems then saying, goodbye, I'm going home now. I have no solutions for any of these things. Mm-hmm. But they are dumping trillions of units of toxic brain poison into our thinking reservoir. Agreed. There's no doubt about that. Agreed. And uh, I, I don't know what can be done about it. Well, maybe nothing. It, 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 well, as it always gets back to, can can the beast adjust? Will will future generations have the skepticism or time to, to filter through this? I'm not sure we will. Well, yeah, that was the question I was uh, just noodling around in my mind. We, we need the perspective to have perspective. After this all shakes out, this Facebook thing, what's it going to look like? I mean, if it turns out that the trend of the last several days in which Facebook is really kind of moved into a new chapter of perception from isn't it wonderful to, wait a minute, there are issues with this, to full on beware Facebook, beware Facebook. After the next chapter to pass, I wonder if there can be another supergiant global social media phenomenon. Or if we'll go into all of them thinking, oh, one of these, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With a little more perspective. I don't know. That's that's unusually optimistic for me. <laughs> Most of the people that got into Facebook early on, none of us were thinking about any of this, how it will affect elections or how it will spread around fake news. How evildoers might use it to their yeah, advantage. Nobody right. was thinking about that. Right. That's Yeah, that's my point exactly. You just... I wonder how going to grow up a little. I keep reading about the number of people that have been deleting their Facebook apps, apps and getting off of Facebook. I, w- I wonder how large a craze that actually is. I don't know how how much of it is a recognition that uh, the, the whole Facebook thing is troubling. How many of it is people who feel like Facebook somehow helped Trump, so then they hate Trump, so they're deleting the app? Oh, that'd be funny. Um, I'd like to hear that number. You know, we talked about this yesterday, and and we talked to an expert who was just fabulous. If you missed that. That show, the podcast, I think it was yesterday's 8 o'clock hour. Um, and I went home thinking, wow, this is just so dangerous. This is so out of control. This is just awful. And I'm sitting on our love seat, me and Judy, uh, before bedtime. She's flipping through Facebook. And I'm thinking, well, wait, what? The, and then she showed me, like, her favorite winery posted something. And our kid with a kind of an interesting observation. Then read something different here. This is from uh, L.V. Anderson. Critics Gonna Critica, which is a funny name for a column. <laughs> uh, the best analysis of Facebook's Cambridge Analytic debacle. And this part struck me. Facebook knew about Cambridge Analytic's data policy violations since at least August 2016. Wow. But did nothing to send a legal notice to delete the information. It only suspended the Facebook accounts of Cambridge Analytica and other guilty parties and announced the moves this week in hopes of muting a forthcoming New York Times article. And my understanding is they still haven't alerted the Facebook users that their data was ripped. Yeah. So, how much of this Zuckerberg himself actually knew about? I don't know. Or Sheryl Sandberg. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. I think the next presidential election is going to be wild. There were a couple of interviews just yesterday with um, uh, various people in our intelligence agencies, and uh, they were being questioned about the upcoming elections and the Russians and their meddling and how far they got and what do you think they're going to do next time around. And I mean, there, there's going to be so much more of this. Our, our you know our radars are going to be up on the lookout for it. I'm not sure that's going to help much. Mm. Um, it's 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 going to be wild to watch. Yeah, that was the hearing that, with our current uh, very uh, attractive director of Homeland Security and Johnson. Was that the same hearing? Uh, yeah, yeah, because that was something. How much of the theme of the 2020 presidential election is just going to be? Is this Russian meddling or? Oh, leading up to election day, are they going to be able to get into the voter rolls? Do we think they did or not? Yeah, man. And if if, oh. if and as was pointed out yesterday in some of the hearings, if they do, and they wouldn't have to very much. If the news just if it's a close election again, and the news spreads around that they actually did, there were people showing up to vote and their names weren't there. Right. Um. Then, I mean, if you've got some of it, it's that's true. Then all the stuff that isn't true. Similar claims in various parts of the country will be believed by the losing side. Right. And everybody who benefits from that will deny it all day long, even if they know it to be true. Oh, man. We, and, and then we'll believe nothing. Yeah. I mean, you, you think we've got uh, skepticism or, or cynicism about our election now? We, we could reach a new level we can't even imagine. Right. I mean, you have the left denying the immense voter fraud that's going on for a long time because it benefits them which has made uh, righties cynical about that topic. 
Yeah, it could get to a really ugly point. I happen to be listening. I'm pretty sure it was the uh, National Progressive Radio was talking about the very issue of the uh, the safety of voting computers and voter rolls and that sort of thing. And they said with a very concerned and sad voice, did you know, I think it was 41 states, 38 states, something like that, are using voting equipment that's more than a decade old. Wow. Do I we have s- any idea how much money it's going to take to fix that? I was like, whoa, wait, no, 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 that's good. I want voting equipment that's more than three decades old. Right. We want paper ballots and boxes and people to watch the boxes. Wh- what do you want? Some sort of, no, what we need is internet-enabled, online, wireless, Bluetooth voting. <laughs> right. What? Yeah. So, I got the very premise of their thing was ridiculous. Here's another angle that we'll have, and then I'll shut up about but, yeah, uh, shut up. F- future effing our lives. Um, that's a phrase. The future is effing our lives. Well, don't, don't reject the future. Don't future blank. You know, think about all the bad things that could happen in the future. So. Oh, right. Yeah, that's um, that's a thing, isn't it? A philosophical thing. Well, so we'll have all that voting stuff. We're also going to have Facebook is going to be bending over backwards to try to not have fake news floating around. And, mm. and what's inevitably going to happen is there's going to be a lot of actual news that gets filtered out and people are going to be screaming and yelling about that google and youtube are already on the hot seat for that they're notorious for filtering conservative content because they get a couple of complaints from lefties and and they flag it and it goes away when it's completely justified that it exists as if somebody ought to be deciding that i don't like our chances in handling this i really don't like our chances wow why did you you, you, then you throw in that little future effing thing or whatever that is at the Mm. end after having done it you got me terrified Mm. i'm terrified and discouraged it doesn't help that the president downplays it also that does not help anything Mm. he downplays the extent to which russia got into our election process Probably ought to mention that um, when I do dress up as the former vice president and rap, I call it algorithm. It's my uh, it's my hip hop act. Awesome. Oh, you had something I was excited about. What is that? The Trump Putin call. Oh right, congratulating right, right, right. Putin. It's an outrage. It's a, it's a horror. It's a dark moment in American history. Or yeah. is it? So how's that time machine coming so we can get the former vice president and the current president to fight in high school? That uh, working out? That, that, you do that pay per view, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a lot of views. You know, if we could get a couple of guys that were the same height, weight, and background as those two guys were 55 years and ago, fight. That would be close, but you can't. You know, it's all about the size of the fight and the dog. And how do you replicate that? Mm, all that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In addition to President Trump, it turns out Kim Jong-un also called Putin to congratulate him on his election victory. Yeah. Yeah, Putin said afterwards, well, I'm hearing from all the crazies. Will you guys just email where that wall is from exactly so we can identify location? Appreciate it. Sean, Thanks so much. Sean, please. Hey, Sean. 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 Sean.
What about the Putin call? I love that clip so much. Thanks for finding it again, fellas. Hey, I want to speak. Speaking of women, I want to talk about women. Last segment of the hour, if we have time. It's a couple of points that have come up on the show recently. I want to follow up. Fantastic. Well, listen, we got a bunch of emails about our harsh condemnation of Donald Trump for calling Vlad Putin to congratulate the brutal murderous dictator on his completely uh, fraudulent election. And degrees worse than that to me is Sarah Huckabee then in the uh, press briefing room saying it's not the job of the United States to criticize other countries. It's not? Yeah. Well, listen, we got we received a lot of good emails uh, from from folks pointing out a number of things, making devil's advocate arguments, uh, accepting or rejecting um, our my reasoning, the three reasons you might have made the call. We had uh, Joe from Portland Say my three reasons were idiotic, but uh, n- not point out why. What were and, your uh, three reasons Putin might have done? Or oh man, I'm Trump sure may have done have that. Time for that. Okay. But, uh, essentially, one that he's an idiot and didn't understand the significance of it. Trump. Trump. I right? don't think that's it. No, probably not. Two. He is trying to work Putin. He has a strategy in mind. Keep your enemies closer. Essentially. Um, and what was the, the what was the third one? I can't even remember. Well, it doesn't matter really. But so he's either, he either blundered or he, he thinks he can play Putin this way. That's the the main. Um, thing. Well, the third one is Putin has something on him. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. And I said <laughs> the left would be super excited about the that. The former CIA director believes might be the case. Yeah. I have no idea. But so anyway, uh, also, in, in addition to those well thought out, uh, if perhaps uh, wildly incorrect uh, surmises from various people, we also had a number of people point out and send links to the fact that Obama did the same thing. Congratulated Putin for the election win. Here's a piece from uh, Foreign Policy. 2012 Here's... was a lot different than now, though, in terms of who Putin is on the world stage. A lot different? Yeah, a lot different. How so? Um, the, uh, the, the, the activities in Syria, the, the poison gas attacks, the, in, the invasions of countries, mm-hmm. all that is post-2012. He, the view of the world on Putin has changed so much. I went and visited Moscow in 2008. I, or nobody else, would do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and we thought, and Putin was, was president then. We thought he yeah. was a democratically elected president. It was a reformed country. That has changed slowly over time. But yeah, as certainly that, as yeah. of the other day, we are way down the road into, he's just a full on murderous dictator. Yeah. I, I would argue that now there's much more evidence for what was plainly true in 2012, which that he was a Soviet dictator who longed for the return of the Soviet empire. But I see your point. Uh, it's, it's certainly less deniable now. But I read this great piece the other day about the MacGuffinization of American politics. You know what a MacGuffin is? The, oh, and by the way, I would I was I would have been against Obama saying that in 2012. Well, that's where I'm headed. So, so um, the MacGuffinization of American politics. The MacGuffin is the thing in the movie that the hero wants, whether it's the lost ark or the or the the hand of the fair maiden or what. It's just the object that they want. You as a movie goer. You don't want that. You wouldn't know what to do with it. But because you really like the hero, you want him to get it. So there's got to be, and Alfred Hitchcock famously said, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be anything Hmm. if you find the hero compelling. Well, this this, uh, editorial I, I read, and I can't remember who wrote it. I ought to give him credit. But they were saying that politics has become completely MacGuffinized. If your hero 
is after it. That's all that matters. Nobody cares about policy anymore. Nobody cares about right, wrong, good idea, bad idea. If my guy is going for it, it's it's a good thing. Well, uh, 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 you people pointed out, you know, Obama did that too. Yeah, and and we killed him for it. Or I did anyway. I remember hating that. The You know, I'll have a little more flexibility after the election. Famously, the rest of it. It was a terrible thing to do then and a terrible thing to do now for a variety of reasons, including the fact that he's a great white shark and you can't play him. And it's just, it's just, his regime is disgusting. So, yeah, you're right. Obama also did it. And I didn't like it then. Here's the... The liberal Washington Post editorial board. Why is President Obama betting on Mr. Putin? And this was written in 2012, and they go deeply into his un-Americanism, pursuing a policy contrary to U.S. vital interest. Military support for the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad is threats against NATO's European missile defense system, decade-old autocratic regime, uh, blah, 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 blah. And they excoriate Obama for calling Putin. The Washington Post editorial yeah, board. That's for interesting. congratulating. Um, uh, I think what we, the headline should be, we have three successive presidents who for some reason think fawning over Putin is the way to uh, handle him. As, yeah, as I was saying yesterday, each with a kind of different point of view, but each the egotism that they can, they can handle a great white shark. wonder why. <sighs> What's leading them to believe that? Well, anyway, time will tell. You know, they're all pretty smart guys, and, and those of you who think W is dumb are uh, a little dumb yourselves. Um, he's an incredibly well-read man. Um, goofy, I'll grant you, but but smart. I just think they all thought, I'll sit down, I'll figure what he's up to, and keep the danger in check while promoting our interests. I think I can handle it. I think all three of them believed that their personalities could win people over. Agreed. No matter what. Agreed. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Bomb scares just closed down the London headquarters of Cambridge Analytica and the Silicon Valley's multi-billion dollar implosion of Theranos, subject of a major new book. It ought to be. It's one of the most interesting stories in our financial U.S. history. Right? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got an airline that has banned fat people from flying business class. Yo, get the boy. details of that coming up. We got one of those deadly police shootings with a lot of video that has become uh, a thing. It's getting national coverage. Oh yeah, you've looked at all the videos and I got have. all the details. And I am. Yep. I'm guessing this is like all of them. So uh, happened to hear during the break, I was uh, dialing around, and one of our stations is running a promo, as we call it, in which a guy says they're literally shredding the Constitution. I want that man found and jailed. I want that literally, man literally shredded. I want him literally shot into space. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, at this hour, multiple reports saying the offices of Cambridge Analytica in central London being evacuated after a suspicious package was found in the area. I got a suspicious package for you. Yeah, I was cops, hoping you'd say that. Cops have closed down all the roads around the area. They're investigating. The firm's been under fire this week following the allegations they harvested the data of 50 million Facebook users to build profiles of voters in the 2016 U.S. election. You bastards! And Zuckerberg knew about it August of 2016. Is that what we just read? Well, we know that Mark Zuckerberg is very, very sorry and that he's willing to testify before <laughs> Do Congress. Do we know that? 
Zuckerberg telling CNN. This was a major breach of trust, and and I'm really sorry that this happened. I'm sorry, uh, Mark. We have, we have a new Stormy Daniels tweet we need data. to get and to. And if we can't do that, then, then we don't deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. I heard a commentator right. say, you know, I think we trusted Facebook because we trusted Mark. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, him saying there at the end, yeah. and that's got that quote has gotten a lot of attention, yeah. the... Uh, you know, if we can't do that, then we can't be trusted and we don't deserve to. Well, right. that the stock price and the number of people deleting your app, that may be, you know, be proving true. Yeah. They don't trust you and you don't deserve it. And now so they're out. Exactly. Stock markets are indeed nervous this morning about Facebook's troubles and word that President Trump is getting ready to slap more trade sanctions on China. The administration wants to punish China for the theft of American intellectual property with new tariffs. Valued at more than $50 billion. Trump sell! Ex- sell! Trump expected to sign off on a memorandum uh, doing just that in about an hour from now. Now, let's go over to market analyst Joe Getty. Sell! What is, <laughs> what's the latest on the markets right now, Joe? Uh, the markets are down 400 and some points, uh, Marshall, which, well, the Dow is, which is a useless measure. It's down almost 2%. There's down. nobody think that's an indication of anything that you should follow. That's Back why you, you hear it Joe. every single day on All the right. news, Jack, inexplicably. Facebook stock. Down another two and a quarter percent in heavy trading. I'm rooting for them to crash hard. I don't know why. There's some Schadenfreude element I shouldn't be proud of, but you I'd love be to. Ashamed of I'd love to see Zuckerberg end up penniless and forced to wear T-shirts, not as a fashion <laughs> statement, <laughs> but because he can't afford a collar. Uh, You've been sitting on that MySpace stock for a long time. <laughs> All right. It'll bounce back any minute now. Just hold it. The publisher of an investigative book on blood testing startup Theranos has moved up the release date from October to this spring. This is one of the most interesting stories in the history of American business. It's one of the biggest frauds yep. in the history of American business. And Elizabeth Holmes, cute, perky, little blonde-haired Elizabeth Holmes in her black turtleneck sweater, is a, she should be a household name. We're working on lining up an interview about this. We're working hard. Are hard? Are you working hard? I like this headline mm, from uh, okay. business, yeah. in, business Insider headline. Elizabeth Holmes' black turtleneck has become a symbol of her alleged massive fraud. She's a, she's a Bay Area woman. At yeah. 19, she drops out of Stanford. And because she's scared of needles, she came up with this way to uh, do blood tests without sticking a needle in you. Well, that'd be huge. Or did she? You'd really want to invest in that. And yeah. lots of people did. And she ended up a billionaire and one of the most respected businesswomen in the world. And I don't know how many interviews I've seen with her or her on the cover of magazines. Turns out she's a complete fraud. <laughs> She made it all up. This new book called Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup is written by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist John Carreyrou, who in the Wall Street Journal first raised questions about the company's blood testing technology. The uh, book's going to be uh, coming out May 21st. So many angles of this story that are so interesting. Um, how much of it had to do with her being a, a cute woman? How much of it had to be had to do with the fact that celebrities got on board, maybe because she was a cute woman? And it helped promote the whole, here's the female Steve Jobs thing that she was working on with the black turtleneck. So celebrities got involved. So then it became a big, giant news story. And she's on Charlie Rose and stuff like that because celebrities are invested. People who are good actors can't possibly be wrong about anything. Right. It doesn't count so much as blood. That's right, Gene. And it just kept building from there. And was it a fraud from the beginning or did she think she had the technology? Then at some point realized she didn't, but went along with it because, hey, it's fun being a billionaire. Yeah. I understand it is. <laughs> yes, the rivers of money keep flowing. It's nice to meet girls, to quote Tom Petty and uh, the president. Headline in Forbes just today yeah. is our obsession with women in the STEM world. That's the science, technology, 
something in math. Yeah. Um, is our obsession with women in STEM to blame for Theranos? Just, Partly, sure. Just wanted her to be successful because she's a woman so much. Ask James Damore whether that's part of it. <laughs> Overlooked a, some Google of the... memoist. Egos in math. That's what the E is. Egos. The delicious breakfast <laughs> waffle. <laughs> Uh, from high tech to the gym. Gentlemen, the most dangerous piece of gym equipment is... Anybody got a guess? Anybody got a guess? Treadmill? You got it. Uh, I, I hate treadmill. My cardiologist, yes. to do the stress test, gets you on a treadmill. And listen, I'm a finely tuned athlete, or was 30 years ago. Um, and, and I think this is too damn dangerous. You're making me run till I'm at my maximum heart rate. What about the oldsters or the non-athletes or the old gals or something? Get an elliptical machine in here. Nobody's ever gotten hurt in an elliptical unless they tried to, like, reach way over there for the TV remote and <laughs> fell off of it. Elliptical, which I have done. <laughs> Elliptical.reviews.com crunched the numbers and they found the treadmill is the most dangerous Elliptical piece of- Reviews. So yes. a company that promotes buying ellipticals says the treadmill is the most dangerous. This is Marshall, the group- do you have no journalism? <laughs> this is the group that did the study. I am merely The Orange the- Coalition has come out and said apples make you impotent. <laughs> I mean, what the hell is the come point? Come on, Marsh! Hey, hey, come on now. They they crunched the numbers and they sure found they one did. In- the elliptical people came up with numbers that say treadmills are dangerous. This they- is cl- this uh, this is proof that the Armstrong and Getty Show is about principle because this is clearly true. Their conclusion is oh, yeah. undeniable. Oh, yeah. But Marshall, please, a bit a bit of skepticism. <laughs> and now Armstrong and Getty attack their beloved newsman. The- control industry is out with news that a condom will make your penis fall off. Back to you. So, uh, what was that self-contained beverage container you were promoting this morning, Joe? (laughs) That's the Contigo Travel Mug. 100% coffee security and an attractive slim design. And a seal that will not leak. Oh, that's true, Sean. (laughs) Have you ever seen the video of Taylor Swift falling off the uh, the treadmill? God dang it, that's funny. My kids love that. Oh, the the comedy bit she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really good. I remember going into gyms with my mom when treadmills were like the hot new technology. People would get destroyed. Really? Vincent was almost killed. That's true. Yeah. But before they even had like the little kill switch bracelet thing that you would wear, like in the very early stages, these things were dangerous. God, that's interesting that you guys are talking about this because I'm supposed to be shopping for one right now. Oh. My wife wants one. The kids want one. Oh, Ooh. Yeah, and an elliptical is tough for kids. I've used a treadmill plenty in my life, but, you know, the opportunity to hurt yourself is definitely there. Your kid takes a go-kart airborne. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm done. I'm Marshall Phillips, yes. the Armstrong and Getty Show, Eagle <laughs> Attack. <laughs> Ow, my eyes! Of course, the go-kart coalition has just come out with a study saying mini bikes are the devil's tool. So, I mean, just, just take a look at where these studies come from. <laughs> Always, everybody should. But beware the treadmill. I can't take it back. Unless you want a head injury. Do you think it's a bad idea to get one? <sighs> no, it's, it's a better idea than being obese and, and have a weak heart. But <laughs> uh, Broken just, bones, abrasions, chest pain. Uh, no, I've, I've done a lot of those uh, different exercises. I've done virtually every single one of them. I'm a big elliptical guy. Yeah, Good uh, for your joints. It's good for toning well, your upper body. That's what I'd well. rather do, but the kids really want a treadmill. Yes, Michael? You have a problem? I just to say, uh, go ahead and buy it. It'll teach them toughness. <laughs> right, toughen exactly. them up. How to, re- how to recover from head injuries. They'll learn something about... Our um our healthcare system. It's a good opportunity.
insurance costs and whatnot. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. From the text line, this just in, a Ford study shows that Fords are better than Chevys. Wow. Also from the text line, two back-to-back texts from different people that start with this just in. But anyway, this just in from IHOP, waffles suck. (laughs) Maybe that was your experience? Well, the International House of Pancakes does uh, serve waffles, in fairness to them. Back to you. We went to uh, Black Bear Diner, took the kids there uh, yesterday afternoon, after the book fair at the school. And um, I just had a flood of memories of elementary school book fairs. Oh, yeah, they loved that. Oh, man, I love the book fair. uh, That's so exciting. My second grader, he spent, geez, all week long, should I get this or this, this or this, this or this, because he had a budget. And you remember, Trying to figure out which one he wanted. What was the thing, the handout he, <laughs> you got in school, too, where you could order books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that, too. I love that, too. We didn't ever, I never had the book fair thing, but they have in the library, they set up this. One thing I'll tell you, I'm a big critic of this. Way too many toys. Way too much pushing toys. Oh, and no. And the kids no. want all the toys. And I've, I've said, it's a book fair. We're getting books. We're not getting any dang toys. Wow. But the, it, oh, man. That's wrong. Don't I do agree. that. Well, it's about making money for the school. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. My taxes are the money for the school. Um <laughs> They're, so they're trying to make more money, but the kids just get all into the various toys, and I'm not into that. I want the books. Wow. My my They've son got, sullied my childhood memories. My son got this series of books called "I Survived." Yeah. I survived a tornado. I survived oh. uh, uh, the the Titanic, and nice. it's stories of people who survived these various disasters. Yes, he's so such into a it. little boy. Was, thing. Yeah, I know. He was reading it in the car on the way home. He just couldn't stop. Dad, this earthquake, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he's oh, that's great. It. Whatever hooks him reading, that's what's important. Um, but so what is that you were just eating? Speaking of oh, waffles. This is a a cinnamon toast crunch. We're rice. just eating. He seems to be eating it now. Uh, yeah, cinnamon toast crunch rice crispy treat. So it's a it's the recipe of the rice crispy treat. Cinnamon toast crunch, one of the great cereals of all time. Yes. <sighs> yeah, the, the rice crispy treat not being sugary enough, sure. decided to substitute out the one thing that didn't have sugar in it, the rice crispy, <laughs> and put in cinnamon toast crunch, there possibly the most sugar laden cereal on the market. Fantastic. So if I uh, if I if I don't make it to tomorrow, just know that I died doing what I love. <laughs> so I guess that would bring you to the headline of an airline has banned fat people from flying business class oh because, my. because of these sorts of eating habits. Those are big seats, too. When we were having pancakes yesterday, I told the kids because they wanted something afterwards. And I said, we just had cake for dinner. It cakes in the word pancake. It's cake. And the syrup is the frosting. We had cake for dinner. That's so we're a not powerful have, argument. We're not going to have a dessert. Right. Powerful argument. Is business class a, a step above or more expensive than first class, or does that below? Matter? I'm always That's confused. Okay. Is it always it's that? It's a middle ground. Is it always? I think so. There's some airline that there's something better than first class, and it's got a name. Superior class, bis, superior business class. I don't know. There's always like one guy up there. How about some a monocle those, and a top hat? Like that uh, Emirates airline that you can have an apartment on the plane. You got a sleeping bed and a sleeping bed. Good phrase, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Those I mean, are my favorite kind. An actual bed for sleeping or whatever, and uh, <laughs> you got a little counter, and you kitchen that, and uh, yeah, God dang it, that'd got be a great. pee in toilet. 
Uh, oh, boy, and some breathing air. I got everything you need. My eating fork. So, <laughs> I believe this has descended into mockery. So, uh, speaking of technology, uh, self-driving cars. Got a lot of interesting feedback from you folks who were talking about self-driving cars. The person killed in Tempe, uh, Arizona, and... And, uh, and, you know, uh, related issues, uh, a couple of great notes. First of all, Ray went to the trouble of collecting all sorts of, uh, sorts of statistics, citations, links, and the rest of it. How many miles were driven in 2016, the last year for which we have the full figures? Uh, 3.22 trillion miles driven by regular cars in 2016, divided by the number of deaths, et cetera, et cetera. Then he did the same thing with self-driving car miles and the one person who died. Well, um, long and short of it, self-driving cars kill one person in four million miles. Regular cars kill one person in 128 million miles. So it's practically the same. (laughs) So at this point, people driving cars are way, 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 way less deathy than self-driving cars. Is that a fair comparison? Boy. Will it be fair in a year? Completely different? I don't know, but I asked the question. There's the answer. And then Ray says it'll become more challenging when we move these vehicles into environments outside of well-laid-out city streets. Right. But we may not. The topic of a fabulous email from uh, Robert, who's a longtime A&G fan. He actually, it's funny, he listened um, in the 90s, then moved to Virginia and missed us bitterly till he discovered podcasts, the internet, etc., and is back on board. Um, he missed Jack's first marriage and sobriety, but not much else. Okay. So a couple of minor what? incidents in your life. Uh, <laughs> but he's an air traffic controller. And he says, driverless cars continue to come up. Of a, I think the air traffic control system is the blueprint of the future. There are different classes of airspace. To be allowed to fly in each class of airspace, there are different rules and equipment the pilot and aircraft must have. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jack's always concerned that the government will require all cars to be driverless in Kansas, for instance. I don't believe this is the goal. In air traffic, the majority of airspace is uncontrolled. You can take off and fly, visual flight rules, talk to no one, and fly wherever you want. Just don't crash into anybody. The other extreme is the airspace I've worked on for the past 13 years, D.C., um, where you have to be vetted and have certain equipment which functions properly. If not, you get a visit in the air and are forced down. Wow. I prophesize the same for driverless cars. Most areas won't matter. Some areas will get special lanes. Downtown areas would be restricted only to driverless cars. In the most restricted areas, the cars could talk to each other and meter each other. This would allow stop lights and stop signs to be eliminated. Um, KTCS. Keep those chickens separated. (laughs) Uh, So, fabulous. Thanks for the note, Robert. Hmm. So, your steering wheel will not be ripped out of your cold, dead hands. I hope not, but I expect it to be. I hope not. There is there is there is a, a great push this direction. I'm not exactly sure what's behind it. I've never understood it from the beginning. Some giant push behind it. Safety. I think money. I'm going to go with money over everything else. Well, I agree. Greed is often the good place to look. Money but the is American what... craze for complete safety cannot be denied. Uh, well, you can sell things on safety because people are too stupid to know much about it. You weren't that unsafe when your right front tire was two pounds of pressure different than the left rear, but they mandated every car have those stupid things in every car. And how much did that? How much money did that generate? Oh, a few dollars here and there. Yeah. 
No time to talk about the guy who had his pug give the Nazi salute has been convicted of a crime for it in Europe. Jay Leno did some stand-up on The Tonight Show. We'll check on that. Uh, I never thought he was funny before, but we'll see if he was last night. If you get the award-winning fourth hour. The Mm. Bomber in Austin. Latest details we're going to have coming up if you get the next hour on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 